What is going on, Tecmo team? Andy here from the Tecmo Rose coming at you, and we've got a surprise two weeks in a row. We've got Sam here with us. Sam, how the heck are you? Two weeks in a row? That's a winning streak. Oh, I love it. I love that reference. I use that all the time in my, my league power rankings. Like, if you can put another one together, that's called a winning streak. It's good to be here, Andy. Uh, it's good to have you back. So we got a, a information-packed episode today. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. We're actually recording this immediately after the uh, admittedly lackluster trade deadline. So nothing fantasy related happened at the trade deadline. But man, this weekend was full of news, fantasy related injuries. So we're going to hit you with some injury stuff right off the bat. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, King Henry foot surgery out six to 10 weeks. I know that they're trying to be optimistic and say he might be back this year. Uh, but man, I just don't see it unless they have a deep run in the playoffs. Maybe he's back. Sam, what do you think about King Henry going down? There hasn't been a sadder death in the family since Mufasa. Uh, the King has gone down long live the King. We'll miss him. Uh, now Calvin Ridley is stepping away due to some, uh, mental health issues. He's taking care of himself. I, for one, support that decision. You never want to be out there on the field when your head's not in the game. That's how you lose it. Uh, I'll be talking a little more about who you might want to pick up in his absence. The answer might surprise you. Uh, Calvin Ridley, we're going to miss you, my friend, but as a Falcons fan, I want you to be the best version of you. So take your time, be well, come back when you're ready. Uh, Miles Sanders kind of still considered week to week, they say, or is he on the IR now? It doesn't really matter. We got a He's big officially on the IR officially uh, on the IR. So we got a bunch of running backs in Philly that, uh, we gotta, we gotta work through. So we'll talk about the Philadelphia backfield in our waiver section. Uh, Sam, what's going on in new Orleans? Uh, James Winston tore his ACL, injured his MCL. Uh, unfortunately, he will not be eating any dubs for the time being. Uh, what does this mean for Saints players? Uh, spoiler alert, we're not talking about any of them. Yeah, it, I don't know if I want any of them, uh, but but maybe Taysom Hill if he's back from his concussion. Who knows? <laughs> James Robinson, uh, running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a bruised heel considered day-to-day. Uh, it's tough to make those jump cuts when you got to be on your heel, obviously. So this is a tricky one. Even if he's out there, I don't like playing him. Uh, Carlos Hyde, probably not worth grabbing. Um, it's a really tricky situation for the backfield in Jacksonville. It's just a really tricky situation in Jacksonville for fantasy in general. Right. Uh, Sam Darnold got concussed. He's day to day. He probably is going to be a game time decision if he's not ruled out this week. Uh, my opinion, you should be looking elsewhere anyway. His Cinderella story this year is done. The glass slipper has fallen off. Consider even trading DJ Moore for someone in one of our playoff trade targets coming up. I sometimes have to wonder if Sam Donald got concussed sometime in week four when it all kind of came crashing down. Um, man, it's just been a, what a weird year for him so far. And, and last but not least, news today uh, Henry Ruggs, unfortunate extracurricular issue, uh, will be out for the rest of the season, most likely uh, pending legal charges. I don't want to get too far into it, but. What does this mean for some of your Raiders players? We'll be discussing that also in the waiver section, but that's a lot of weird injury news. Just what a, what a terrible injury weekend. I, I say we get rid of Thursday games and give people a nice week to recover, but that's just me. And I, I partially would miss Thursday night football, but I want my players to be healthy uh, specifically just for their health and for fantasy purposes. Uh, let's jump into the waivers and we got a lot to discuss here. Ready, down, put, put, put. All right. We had the aforementioned 
Philadelphia backfield situation. Miles Sanders officially on the IR. Uh, Jordan Howard is still the vulture we all know and hate him to be. Uh, but realistically speaking, the Eagles aren't going to be winning games by 30 every week. So uh, in my opinion, Boston Scott's still the guy to own there. Uh, I really do think that Kenneth Gainwell is going to see more touches. I mean, he was seeing it when games were competitive. I don't know if they just felt he wasn't ready for some reason, but it's Boston Scott for me. Don't waste your fab on Jordan Howard. Uh, if you have Kenneth Gainwell, you probably still do keep him. He will be viable in the coming weeks. Uh, Sam, what do you think about the Philly backfield? Look, I love me some Boston Scott. So does Philly. And honestly, it's one of those situations I feel where they, they have plans to use Gainwell. They have plans to spell Boston Scott here and there, and then they get him on the field and Boston Scott just starts doing Boston Scott things. And they realize, wait a minute, why weren't we playing this guy before he's got talents? Uh, I like Boston Scott going forward just from the eye test. I don't know if the scheme's always going to be there. Philly might pull some shenanigans with who's above who on the, the depth chart. But like you said, we saw Jordan Howard vulture a couple touchdowns straight off the practice squad. So who knows what they're going to do? I think if you're going to bet on anyone, though, from the waiver wire standpoint, you're picking up Boston Scott. Heck yeah. Now, another guy who you can bet on from the waiver wire, uh, especially considering in light of recent developments, uh, Brian Edwards of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I especially like him in week 15 of uh, the first week of the playoffs for a lot of people. He's uh, They're going to be in Cleveland, but Cleveland's been, I mean, the way you beat Cleveland is through the air. Yep. Uh, the deep guy doesn't always... Um, I'm sorry, the deep guy tends to see the most work uh, in stats this year, but Mike Williams did some damage. AJ Green did some damage. Those are the taller red zone kind of possessions guys um, with, with injury situations. And now, especially the rugs, you know, situation with him might, he might not be available anymore. Uh, Brian Edwards target him. He is the next man up. I love it. And, you know, like you mentioned that the rug situation, those vacated targets are going to go to Brian Edwards, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, all respectively. Uh, if you have them on your roster already, you'll see an uptick. I know a lot of people quit on Brian Edwards after a couple bad games. Uh, go out, pick him up. He's back. He should be more relevant now with those targets opening up. Uh, we talked about King Henry's injury. Uh, so they did sign Adrian Peterson off of uh, the streets and officially onto the practice squad, I think. But we all know he's going to get moved to the main roster uh, the next couple of days here. But Jeremy McNichols is the guy that you want. He's 25. He's good. He's in the pass catching game. I don't think Adrian Peterson is going to come off the road and get 15 plus carries, especially against the Rams this week. So most likely it's going to be kind of a dirty, ugly game, but they're going to have to pass the ball and McNichols is the dump off guy. So I think he's going to be worth a good amount of fab, especially if you're in a win now situation, he could probably buy you a W. See, I see Jeremy McNichols being uh, the next Tony Pollard, where it's a, a number two who you, you don't even know exists because the guy in front of him is so good until all of a sudden he's the next man up and he starts running rampant. This is still a really good running football team. And you know, if you pick him up, that the first series is going to go to Peterson. He's going to score a touchdown and you're going to be pulling your hair out going, what the heck Tecmo bros? What did you do? <laughs> uh, it's don't worry about it. This is a long haul thing. This is a guy who's going to get worked into the system the rest of the year. Uh, I, I see him being the big value pickup for the second half. I like it. I like it a now, lot. 
a guy that I really like. I liked him earlier in the year when I picked him up. I had to drop him for some space. I'm looking to maybe pick him back up off the waiver wire. He's my guy, Van the Man Jefferson, uh, especially in week 15 of the playoffs against Seattle at home. Uh, now, I liked Van Jefferson until I read just a little bit ago on Twitter that the Rams are looking to release Deshaun Jackson. Uh, he wanted out. They were going to trade him. They couldn't find a trade partner. And now they're, they're set to release him. It's not official yet. So now I love Van Jefferson. Uh, he's had uh, a little bit of quiet outings since week five, but he's been seeing a lot more snaps, a lot more playing time. And Andy, you do love yourself guys who get on the field and see volume. I do love me some Van Jefferson, absolutely. And just as a quick, real quick breaking news, it is now official. Deshaun Jackson is on waivers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it is officially happened. So speaking of guys getting on the field and seeing some volume, uh, especially in tight end required formats, I think you need to go out and pick up Pat Fryermuth. I know that the Steelers passing game isn't exactly the sexiest fantasy option, uh, but Quietly, back-to-back games, he's seen seven targets, had a score last week. Uh, he, You can't keep throwing the ball to Najee Harris. I was watching them play the Browns last week. And eventually, it's just, well, just put everyone on Najee Harris because Ben can't throw the ball more than 10 yards. That's fine. He'll throw it five yards to Pat Fryermuth. He'll get a couple of yards after the catch. He's going to be a perfectly viable, nice and stable, I think, with a good floor fantasy option in tight end formats. Otherwise, if you're in a pinch, uh, definitely worth a touchdown hunt on Pat Fryermuth. They're going to have to throw the ball because, again, Najee Harris, while he's seeing the volume, the eye test for me, he's not super explosive. He's not like the best running back I've ever seen. Maybe he gets better, but they're going to have to throw the ball. It can't always be Deontay and Chase Claypool. Pat Fryermuth, go out and get him. First of all, how dare, how dare you insult Ben Roethlisberger's bay? In, in Deontay Johnson. Oh, first two, of all, Deontay is my Deontay. That is my team name this year. They are BFFs uh, for sure. They've got a bromance thing going on. because. Well, Deontay, we're going to talk about Deontay Johnson in the next segment as well. He gets targets when he's not even open. Now, Muth, on the other hand, I heard uh, a couple weeks ago watching the Steelers game, I know who does that, uh, that they were saying when Pat Frymuth was drafted, um, I believe it was Bruce Arians who called – uh, ben Roethlisberger had said, you're going to like this guy. He reminds me of Heath Miller. And I think that just last week, Ben went, oh, that Heath Miller, because all <laughs> of a sudden, Muth started showing off. He started uh, making those catches in uh, the middle of the field. And uh, their other big tight end, Eric Ebron, he was always a red zone guy. He was never really a between the 20s guy. So I was kind of confused why Friar Muth hadn't been getting more work. But his route running has been getting more crisp. His hands look good. Uh, I think Ben's starting to fall in love. And uh, Deontay, you're about to turn into that meme with the dude looking at the new thing. And that's going to be Ben looking at I think that's going to be Chase Claypool wondering where all of his targets went. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Now, a guy who everyone's kind of wondering uh, who's going to step up. Uh, Calvin Ridley stepping away from football. Um, there's a big vacancy there. Uh, Falcons fans maybe were, were hoping that Russell Gage would emerge as a number two this year. And uh, he really hasn't done anything. Um, I am on board picking up off waivers. Tajay Sharp. Love uh, it. 
week 16 atlanta gets detroit at home that is a the juiciest of matchups um he seems tajay already seems to be the number two uh with ridley taking his mental health break uh, I still think maybe Russell Gage is worth a stash if you have the space, but I feel like if you're going to bet on somebody, especially for the playoffs time, picking him up now before he explodes, Tajay Sharp, I don't know, you tell me, Mr. Falcons fan, is he the guy to own? I mean, I, I'm a big fan. So uh, during the first personal matter, uh, when the Falcons played in London, I did pick up Olamide Zacchaeus. I plugged him in thinking, you know, de facto number two, you know, Gage was hurt. Uh, but it was Tajay Sharp in London picking up those extra targets. And then obviously he took a back seat once Calvin Ridley came back uh, against the, I can't remember who it was, the 49ers maybe. Uh, doesn't really matter. But now that it's officially out that he's going to be stepping away, Tajay Sharp stepped and had another solid floor game, especially in PPR formats. He's good for five to seven targets, it looks like. But that could get get more based on the fact that Sharp is familiar in Arthur Smith's system from his time in Tennessee. So Arthur Smith obviously wants guys that he's familiar with, knows what their capabilities are. Uh, so I'm all aboard the Tajay Sharp number two train here. Uh, I think it's a great, great name that Sam picked here. Uh, one guy that I was shocked when I was going through my waiver pickups here, uh, especially in a redraft, is only rostered in 31% of leagues right now. And that's Jamison Crowder with the Jets. Now I know that anything Jets-related save for Michael Carter is sacrilege in fantasy football right now. But Jamison Crowder with a competent quarterback when he's healthy is a PPR machine. And he proved that last weekend had a huge game with Mike White. Uh, he'll probably get Mike White probably gets another start this week. Uh, not sure Zach Wilson's ready to come back yet. So I expect Jamison Crowder to have another solid week. He got a really nice floor. His ceiling is as high as it can be. Uh, don't know why everyone just like lost their luster for Jamison Crowder. I know that Elijah Moore is everyone's bay on the Jets. You see him all over fancy Twitter. I think he's talented, but Jamison Crowder is tried and true. He's led a lot of people to championships. I don't know why he's not rostered more. Go get Jamison Crowder. I mean, Jamison Crowder as, as a veteran knows how to work with young or inexperienced quarterbacks and to give them open targets, especially, you know, that, that slot receiver over the middle, giving them that security blanket on the second, maybe third look uh, that that's huge. And this, he's been there before in the last uh, handful of games, he's seen nine targets, six, six and nine targets. Nice. Uh, that's, that's volume. We know we love our volume and it's only a matter of time before he's actually finding pay dirt. The jets are not great, but they looked fired up to win some games with the the backup quarterback. Well, and they're going to be behind. So they're going to have to throw the ball, which is usually a recipe for success in wide receiver land. Uh, so another slot receiver that I would like to talk about, Jesus Christ, it's Kendrick Bourne. Love it. Uh, week 17, especially New England versus Jacksonville is another juicy matchup in the playoffs looking ahead for the future. Uh, he's quietly been one of the most efficient producers, um, not the greatest amount of volume necessarily coming his way. A lot of Jacoby Myers, a lot of uh, Nelson Aguilar and a lot of running the, the ball. But when he is on the field, uh, roughly 60% of the time, he's seeing looks, he's getting open. He's especially helpful and useful in two minute drills. And uh, Mac Jones looks comfortable fitting the ball into him. Um, phrasing. Uh, <clears throat> 
plus it's Jacksonville. I mean, if you're looking for a guy who you can plug and play or maybe just stash in case one of your actual receivers gets hurt uh, or I don't know, benched because it's the last week of the playoffs and uh, or the second last week of the official season now. And Hey, maybe you've already locked up the one seed, sit your studs, you know, whatever it is, Kendrick Bourne. I like him as a target for those late season championship dubs. Heck yeah. And, and we're going to talk about two tight ends to finish off our waiver claims here. Uh, I've got Sam Darnold, not Sam Darnold, Dan Arnold. Oh, I missed the Darnold to Arnold connection already in Carolina. <laughs> Holy Moses. So Dan Arnold, tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Man, this, this season happens so fast. Uh, since being traded after his first game getting acclimated, he's had eight, five, and 10 targets respectively. Uh, there's a reason they traded for him. The receiving options on Jacksonville, especially when DJ Chark went down, aren't exactly lighting the world on fire. Uh, Dan Arnold is just that security blanket for Trevor Lawrence. He's got, again, a really nice floor. You know how the Tecmo bros, especially me, love our floor players that we know we're going to get, you know, seven to 10 targets. And that's Dan Arnold, especially in tight end required. I wouldn't recommend plugging him into like a standard redraft, your touchdown hunting there. And if you don't need to start tight end, I don't advise it, uh, but Dan Arnold tight end required. He's got that nice floor. He's Trevor Lawrence's guy right now. Uh, and the injuries to James Robinson, they're going to have to pass the ball more. So Dan Arnold, I think could be fun. Not Sam Darnold, Dan, Dan Arnold, man. So hard to talk with Dan Arnold. Okay. So what do you think Sam about Jacksonville and Dan Arnold? I don't think a lot about Jacksonville, but I do think if you're, if you're pressed for a guy, you can do a lot worse than, than a guy with two first names. There you uh, go. <laughs> a guy I like specifically, again, this is not somebody who you necessarily want to be dropping your, your main tight end for, but if you, if you want to be that guy who makes the big brain play and wins the league in week 17, uh, Indianapolis faces off against the Vegas Raiders. The Raiders. Um, I am not talking about Jackie Doyle. I'm talking about Mo Alley Cox. Oh, he's so uh, big. The Raiders honestly have been playing good defense this year, and they've been playing decent defense against receivers, but against tight ends, especially in the red zone, they are god awful. Uh, if you want to roll the dice and win a championship in style, you can do a lot worse than Mo Alley Cox. I love it. And Sam kind of got us started here. We're talking about the the late weeks, 15 and later. Uh, the main part of this show that I want to go over, we have five playoff trade targets a piece players we think you should go get especially if you're in a situation where you know you're going to make the playoffs and you're kind of prepping for the future uh in your redraft championships league so let's jump into our playoff segment uh starting now all right so again like we mentioned these if you're in a good spot like if you are five wins or more at this point uh you're probably in an okay spot that you might make a playoffs a Make sure you know how many teams are going to make the playoffs in your leagues. Check your league settings. If it's only four, you might have to win a couple more. But if it's anywhere from six to seven teams that make it in, if you're a five-win team or better right now, you should start prepping for the future. So we're going to give you five each uh, in our standard Tech Robo back-and-forth format uh, about players you should be targeting. We also have one extra honorable mention because we like extra quality. So, Sam, why don't you start with who should we, who should we be targeting for a playoff push? You know, one of these days I want to yell out Omaha right before the hut huts. I really do. Um, my first guy to target here for trades is Keenan Allen. Um, really, to be fair, 
you can't do wrong with most any chargers, but I don't see a single fantasy owner out there who is interested in parting ways with Eckler or uh, with Herbert or uh, honestly, Mike Williams. I can see a lot of Mike Williams owners probably holding on to him with the death grip because they probably drafted him late and they're like, this guy's carrying my And they remember what he's done in the first few weeks. If there's a guy right now on the Chargers who is potentially tradable because he's kind of semi-underperforming what people thought he would do, it's Keenan Allen. He's still doing well. He's wide receiver 25, but he's not playing like a wide receiver one in that top kind of five guys status. Uh, but I think towards the end of the season, especially, he's going to be putting up wide receiver one numbers. Uh, that division is extremely close. Uh, the Chargers will be vying for a playoff spot. And in weeks 15, 16, and 17, they play Kansas City, Houston, and Denver, a Von Millerless Denver. Uh, I'm putting all my money on the Chargers. I'm trading away for Keenan Allen. Now, does that mean you should trade away Devontae Adams for Keenan Allen? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. You use your brains when making who you're going to offer to, to get these players. But if somebody really wants Christian McCaffrey and you don't need him because your running back situation is solid, maybe it's worth dishing them off. You won't see him on the field for a handful of weeks yet. And you might be able to turn him into a player who can win you a championship. And I also want to just, before I go into mine, uh, I want to make clear here that you really need to read the room as to what team these players are on. So as an example, if Keenan Allen is already on a five plus win team, odds are they're probably not going to want to part with him because they are probably playing the same game you are. But I'll give you an example in a league that Sam and I share Keenan Allen is currently on a one and seven team. So that player is not a hundred percent eliminated from the playoffs yet, but they need to obviously win out. This is a good spot where you could trade two B plus players for Keenan Allen. And that will probably be very enticing to a player in a really bad spot that will look for two assets over the one. So if these players are on, on teams that are really hurting to possibly make the playoffs, this is where you, you're going to want to target them. Cause again, you're not going to get some of these guys off of a, a winning team, right? So my guy is TJ Hawkinson. He's currently tight end three. Uh, now I know this is not a tight end required situation. TJ Hawkinson is your surest bet for volume. So he's seeing 10 plus targets a bunch of times this season already. He's really the only guy pass catcher wise in Detroit that you're going to want at all. And for fantasy playoffs, he's Arizona at Atlanta and at Seattle. Uh, Arizona might be a little bit, you know, a lower floor, but like Atlanta and Seattle, there's a good chance that, that guy puts up 20 plus points just based on the amount of volume he's going to see. So TJ Hawkinson's a guy that I would be targeting. You can offer like a mid tier wide receiver for him, especially if he's stuck on a bad team. Uh, I'm all in on TJ Hawkinson this year, especially when it comes to the fantasy playoffs. Those last three weeks are juicy uh, at the very least, although Detroit is probably going to lose. Those are games where Hawkinson can put some damage in uh, and, and you know win you a, a, ch a championship here. Now, before you go into your second guess, Sam, uh, I want to get your opinion on, on like a player on a losing team like TJ Hawkinson. Are you at all concerned that if the Lions go like 0 for 13, that they might just shut their good players down or you think they're going to let them keep playing? <laughs> I, I don't think uh, so. The Lions have faced 0 16 before. Uh, I don't think they want to be the first team to go 0 17. True. Um, I, I look at there's a difference between resting your guys for 
the playoffs and resting your guys for fun. Um, unless Hawk is hurt or Goff is hurt or in some combination, you really shouldn't have to worry about sending those guys on the field. Now, any team can pull a Belichick and say, we're going to triple cover your only guy on the field. So if there are considerable injuries there and they have nobody in the passing game, it may not necessarily be worth uh, starting Hawkinson, but you can do a lot worse. You can do a lot worse than Hawkinson going into the playoffs. Um, He's going to be a guy where when you have that shaky kind of third spot flex spot that you, you need to, to make a tough decision in, you can almost expect there to be volume there. Even in blowout games, he's been getting looks his way. Yeah, I like it. Uh, show us your second guy, Sam. Oh, my second guy. Everybody knows his name. Uh, Stefan Diggs. Heck yeah. Who the heck is going to trade me Stefan Diggs? Uh, he's wide receiver 23. He's kind of in that same same area as Keenan Allen, where you didn't draft Stefan Diggs to be wide receiver 23, um, which is where I think a team who might be suffering from the injury bug or uh, maybe just is coveting somebody on your team. Maybe it's a, a, a keeper league and they want somebody who they can look forward to next year with, cause they're kind of done with, with digs or I don't know what, what the excuse could be, but these are guys to target for what could be a fair value trade. Maybe they, they're a big fan of uh, the, the Titans and they, they want AJ Brown and you're willing to make this deal up to you. Um, totally not subliminal messages for Josh Lindsay. Uh, Friend Stephon, of the show. <laughs> Stefan Diggs gets Carolina at New England and at home against Atlanta for the last uh, couple of games of the relevant fantasy season. Um, the Bills will be looking to lock up the playoffs. Uh, they're definitely the best team in that division. They're probably going to be vying for a bye week of some kind if they can, you know, top seed. Otherwise, you know, keep in mind the towards the end of the season, they might sit some stars for, for safety's sake. But other than that, I expect Stefan Diggs to heat up as the second se- half of the season goes on, in my opinion. What do you think about Stefan Diggs? Well, if there's any way that the Bills are still fighting for the one seed, like they're going to be playing their players until the very, very end because you want that bye week, right? Like you don't want to have to play anybody. You want that sweet, sweet bye week. So if they're still arguing with whomever to be the number one seed, then yeah, Stefan Diggs is going to be fantastic. And I know I, I agree with you. He's wide receiver 23. He's not what people drafted him for. I mean, he was what the fourth or fifth receiver off the board in a lot of redraft and dynasty startups. So to have your guy be a wide receiver 23 is not a return on an investment. Similar to Keenan Allen, you can probably trade two players you know, two B pluses for this guy. And he's going to be great. I mean, I just traded for him in a redraft that we share. Uh, and I'm, I'm super happy with what I did there. So Stefan Diggs is a great trade target, much like is Brandon cooks from the Houston Texans. So he's had a couple eh games where he was sub 10 points in PPR, but every other game, he, he wasn't sub 10. We're talking, he was 17 plus points uh, in PPR. And that's also accounting for only two touchdowns this year. He's just, He's a reception monster. He's a yak guy. Like he's the best guy on a bad team. And I, I, I don't want to be an advocate for the best guy on a bad team. Cause you also want guys like Keenan Allen and Stefan Diggs, who are really good players on really good offenses. But sometimes we forget that like, yeah, the Houston Texans are terrible, but there are fantasy viable players on those teams. Again, like TJ Hawkinson on the Detroit lions, Brandon cooks on the Texans. So he's got a sweet playoff schedule at Jacksonville, 
uh, home versus the Chargers and at San Francisco. San Francisco's defense is not what we all remember it being. They've been in a lot of weird shootouts this year. So I think with defenses, especially in a redraft, we forget what like defenses don't typically age well. So yes, yeah, San Fran had a great defense like two years ago, but it's not the same thing. Brandon Cooks is currently wide receiver 17, a little higher than what we've talked about before, but you could probably get him just thinking again, he's on the Texans. Maybe someone needs a running back assess their roster. I think he'll be a fine play in the playoffs. What do you think, Sam? Well, first of all, uh, I, if that game against the chargers was on the road, I would be cautious, but that's at home. And there's always that, you know, home field advantage magic that can go your way. Uh, that one may be, a coin flip game, but those other two games, I'm starting them strong against Jacksonville, even if it's in Jacksonville and against San Francisco, San Francisco is making moves to try to compete in their division. They just uh, traded for uh, a pass rusher and yeah. uh, Omenahu from the, <laughs> look at that from the Texans. And so they're going to try to compete. And I see in that game, if, if, you know, the, whoever is starting for the Texans at quarterback at that point in the season, is under duress they're gonna have to run those quick out uh screen pass plays and who's the guy who gets the screens brandon cooks he's their their best sure-handed guy fastest guy with the ball the playmaker when he gets it he may not have the craziest of games from stat wise uh yards touchdowns but he might see 10 whole receptions on dump offs and that's points especially in a a week where points might be a little slim yep uh, speaking of points being a little slimmer than expected, um, Darren Waller is my next guy. Uh, like tight end eight, number 100 overall on the uh, list of uh, fantasy players this year. He's, what do you say about Darren Waller? Andy, you own Darren Waller. Give me a quick synopsis of your thoughts on how he's performed this year. So, like, I'm not going to lie. There has been a couple moments where I, I feel a little panicked about him. So, yeah, you're, in a tight end required format, you're typically grabbing, you know, one of the top three, which was Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller. You're grabbing them in the late second, third round type situation. Uh, and you're expecting big things from these guys. And, and tight end is such a, a massive drop off in talent that, yeah, you got super excited against Baltimore week one. He had 19 targets, 10 catches, 100 yards. So I think he had a score in there. And you're like, oh, this is going to be what Darren Waller is. And then he has yet to crack seven targets for the next five games. And then he missed a game. Uh, and now he's on, he was on by last week. So he should hopefully be back now. So to say that Darren Waller hasn't been at least somewhat of a disappointment would be inaccurate uh, for where people were drafting him. They definitely expected more. And I think he's a great trade target, especially we talked about the rugs news. Some of those targets are going to have to go to Darren Waller. Right. So that, I wrote this actually Monday night prior to the news of Henry Ruggs situation. Uh, so I was on the Darren Waller train prior to that. Even that just kind of tips it over the edge and might make it a little bit harder for you to actually convince someone to trade him. That's I think everyone with, with a brain will see that there's going to be uh, one less player on the field to get those targets. But that being said, if you can get him away, even in, I honestly, I'm going to say even in a non tight end required league, Darren Waller is worthy of trading for mm-hmm. don't sell the farm. He's not the guy he was the year prior leading the league in, in most stats. This is a guy who he's regressed a little bit, mostly from triple coverage <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but again, when in doubt, 
Uh, Derek Carr will force the ball to Darren Waller any way he can. And in the playoffs specifically, I've been kind of highlighting the last three weeks of the relevant season. They're at Cleveland. Uh, We've already talked about how Cleveland with Molly Cox uh, is soft against tight ends, especially in the red zone. Uh, at home against Denver, this is a Denver without Von Miller. This is a much weaker Denver. And at Indy, um, that's a little bit of an iffy one. Um, Indy's done decent against tight ends this year, but I look at uh, one of my favorite kind of little Mendoza lines, or I call it the Gasecki line. How did Mike Gasecki do? Because if Mike Gasecki did well, you can expect a, a guy who's above Mike Gasecki to do well. If, if he did poorly, expect anyone below him to do poorly. Uh, he had, uh, in week four, um, six targets, five receptions, 57 yards, and a touchdown. I feel like those are worthy numbers for a wide receiver three flex type guy. Darren Waller has a much higher ceiling than that. He may not put up uh, Mark Andrews numbers against Indy, where he went off for 11 for 147 and two touchdowns. But hey, I was facing dream. you that week. <laughs> A man can dream. Uh, the Raiders. This is the this is my biggest endorsement for for Darren Waller and for Brian Edwards. Earlier, uh, I believe the Raiders will be competing to win their division by the end of the season. Bold. Not not take a a, a blah, 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 wild card. No, I believe that they will be competing to win that division, to lock it down. Not necessarily a top seed, but they have a head start on everybody else, and they have a schedule that might let them do it. Darren Waller is going to be a big part of that if they make that playoff push. I officially, we need to have a new segment that's called the Mike Gesicki line. (laughs) That was easily one of the best things that we've ever had on this show. Absolutely. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Mike Gesicki has been playing great this year, but like, He's Mike Gasecki. He goes Houdini sometimes. Yeah. If he does well against a team, I think that's your your benchmark for how good will my tight end do. <laughs> I absolutely love it so much. But uh, speaking of another guy that I love so much, Deontay Johnson. So I've been gushing about this guy all offseason and all season. Uh, he's great. And that might make you think, well, how can you trade for him if he's so great, right? He's currently wide receiver 24 in PPR. Uh, he did miss a game. But in all but one game, he's had over 10 targets, uh, except for that one game in Denver. But he's been he's been great. He's been super consistent. And that's what you like about guys, especially me. I like my high floor guys. It's typically 15 points or more. And I'm all about that. So he's got a great playoff schedule, Tennessee at Kansas City and Cleveland. And we talked about Cleveland a bunch so far. You got to beat him through the air. Uh, And the Steelers are most likely going to be fighting for a wild card spot. I can't see them winning their division, but a wild card could be depending on how they play for the next couple of weeks. And, you know, the biggest fear is always that in the playoffs, your players are going to be sat and rested because the, you know, good players are on best teams and they're already wrapped up the division and whatnot. Deontay Johnson, I think is a great candidate that you can get, you know, for, for a middling price. I know he's been great, but we got to always preface this with if he's on a bad team, you might be able to get him for some assets that you don't need as much. So think of like, I know he's injured right now, but like a Sterling Shepard or a Kadarius Tony, like you can take these guys, bundle them with another kind of like, okay asset and do a two for one, just based on the fact that that guy probably needs players. Cause he's probably injury riddled and the waiver wire is only so deep. So Deontay Johnson could be a fun trade target to get a nice consistent player, especially for your playoff push. I, 
I've been tracking my brain as to why Ben Roethlisberger loves Deontay Johnson so much because all the time I'm, I'm just, I'm watching his eyes and for a guy who's as good as a pump fake as he is, he doesn't tend to use, it. he just kind of chucks it to Deontay anytime he can. My going theory at this point is because Deontay Johnson is 18. I mean, he's number 18. Excuse me. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. Uh, but no, Deontay Johnson is open so much on the field and even when he's not like open open Ben just finds ways to get him the ball uh he's not as mobile he's needing to throw sooner and so he's looking for that first look more often Deontay Johnson's the guy uh I like where you're at wide receiver 24 that's kind of right in between my first two guys at wide receiver yep, right in the middle of it the guys to target um I have a guy to target who you might probably think I'm crazy uh to ask for you wouldn't want to trade him if you had him but I'm going to say Kyler Murray might All be right. worth getting rid of a strong piece for uh, specifically right now that it was announced. He's got a sprained foot. Um, he was seen in a walking boot, nothing potentially too serious necessarily, but uh, he might be in a day-to-day situation and a, team who's on the bubble who needs a solid position player maybe they have a backup quarterback on their roster maybe they just don't want to deal with a guy who's hurt maybe they were expecting kyler to get them 40 points a week and with him hurt they're panicking whatever the situation may be if you can get him he might well we know he's going to come back strong he's kyler murray but uh he towards the second half of the season will be vying for the the division against the Rams and they're going to have to keep pace. Uh, He gets at Detroit, which points uh, at home against Indy and then at Dallas. Um, The Dallas game might be rough because uh, they're, they've been looking good on defense, but they also might have already wrapped up the NFC East by then. The NFC East is god awful. It's bad. And by week 17, with Dax off and on injuries this year, with the amount of injuries that they've had as a team, if they've wrapped that division, they might just, you know, take a knee on trying for the one seed and just, you know, get healthy going into the, the uh, playoffs, which bodes well for Kyler Murray, who will definitely be competing against the Rams for that division. Uh, that gives them a chance. I mean, really any Cardinals are worth a look right now. Don't sell the farm for, for, you know, AJ green or uh, captain Kirk. Um, obviously nobody's trading Deandre Hopkins. That's silly. Um, but if you can target one of these guys, they have got juicy matchups. Uh, what do you think about the Cardinals late in the season? So actually I don't agree with you that I think that Hopkins is untouchable. I think that with his kind of persistent hammy issue, he might be very gettable. Uh, just because they're going to want someone who's you know not possibly perpetually injured, you know, Hopkins is kind of having like a Julio Jones esque season where is he is his hammy okay? Is it not? Like, is he going to play the whole game? So you very well might be able to get him. And I like the Kyler Murray pick. Uh, a real quick anecdote: I was on a different uh, my guest spot on the Not Analytics podcast with Ross and, and Hayslip. We had mentioned about Kyler Murray and is he the QB one, like the best QB? And if you look at his first two weeks in a PPR four-point touchdown format, 34 points and 38 points, you're looking at the first two weeks thinking you just wrapped up the whole season. You're going to win the title because Kyler's putting up 40-point weeks. After that, he's not really scratched over 25 points. And while 25 points is a really good week, you know you can get that with a streaming quarterback, 18 to 19 points. And you invested almost a first or second round pick in Kyler Murray. So I think 
especially after the Green Bay game, you might be able to find a panicking Kyler Murray manager and possibly make a play for him. If you can, if he's short on running back or he's got a bad receiver core, you might be able to pry Kyler Murray from that from that person's hand. So I don't think it's a crazy pick at all, really. And I agree with what you're saying about Nuke. Uh, it, watching that game against Green Bay, he was on the sidelines doing everything he could to try to get back into that game. And he eventually wore the coaches down and he got back into that game but didn't really tend to do a whole lot because at that point, Kyler Murray had gotten his foot stepped on and he looked very uh, immobile compared to what we're used to with him. Um, but with, with uh, Hopkins, there's going to come a point if the team is playing kind of touch and go with him, that they're going to have to let him get out there and do his thing. They, they have to compete for this division. I like what you're saying. If you can get Hopkins while people are down and out on him a little bit with the whole, Oh man, he got one catch last game. Oh, Hey, scoop him up because he's still one of the best receivers in existence right now. And he should be healthy by the time the playoffs roll around. And like you mentioned with Kyler Murray, he gets those same Detroit, Indian, Dallas matchups, and he'll be fighting for the division. So, you know, they might shut him down for a week or two here in like weeks 10 through 11, but like come the playoffs, like he should be healthy and he should be a major fantasy weapon. Week 12 uh, gives him a chance to get healthy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great pick for those Cardinals target him while they're down and, and find that owner who's panicking. Uh, my next guy, uh, big PPR guy. And I think PPR is the more accepted format these days. Jalen Waddle, uh, currently wide receiver 28, uh, in the playoffs, he gets the Jets, the Saints, and the Titans. Now, I know the Saints sound a little scary, uh, but Jalen Waddle has like a really, like a Debo Samuel-esque A-dot where it's like a, you know, two to three yard pass and a lot of it's just yak after the fact. But uh, Jalen Waddle is, I was a little bit out on him this year and I was surprised that he is as good as he was. I mean, he's on a team that's not exactly super cohesive right now. But the fact that he's just immediately getting all this work and he's actually scored a lot more touchdowns than I expected him to score. Um, the dude's just got double-digit targets in three out of his eight games. Otherwise, it's like seven, nine targets, so not quite ten. But uh, if you're in a PPR format, the floor is huge. And and in the playoffs, you need that floor. You don't want your guys to crap out on you. Jalen Waddle should be a good low buy right now, and especially with number one court, cornerbacks, excuse me, probably assigned to Devontae Parker. Jalen Waddle should have a good amount of time to get those passes, possibly even score some. Uh, don't count out the Dolphins, even though they're kind of a dumpster fire. Jalen Waddle's a great buy right now. What do you think, Sam? So I was all on board with the Jalen Waddle acquisition train. I've been trying to trade for him in a couple of leagues uh, a couple of weeks ago. Just I he passed the eye test for me. I didn't know what to expect out of him in the off season. I know a lot of people were high on, on him with that draft pick. Oh, Tua. my big issue was Tua. my big issue was the dolphins. They're still, I mean, they play in Florida. There's only one good Florida team. Um, and with the conversations about maybe Sean Watson getting traded to the dolphins, I was all on board with the Jalen Waddle train. I'm like, this guy's going to be a stud. Uh, that fell through um, so much for that, but I still think Jalen Waddle. I have a theory on cream rises. Uh, the guys who are the best players on the field will sh show up and look like the best players on the field. They will find themselves open. They will get the volume eventually, or th <laughs> they're going to get their coach fired. <laughs> and, and on a team that had Devonte Parker that acquired Will Fuller, the uh that has uh mike gasecki of you know everybody and uh a decent 
running game, or at least so we thought, and Miles Gaskin, I didn't think that Jalen Waddle was going to make that big splash immediately. Uh, and he wasn't, I mean, compared to uh, one of his peers in Jamar Chase, he hasn't had that explosive, you know, rookie of the year type year, but he's been quietly improving and kind of distancing himself as the number one pass catching option on that team. And I think going into the second half, you're right. There's going to be more looks for him. I don't see a, a situation where the, the Dolphins are sitting, barring injuries, obviously, are sitting those two guys. They want to make sure that those guys develop that rapport, Tua and Waddle. And I think you're going to see a lot of it. I think so, too. And, and we got one more each officially, and then we have a quick honorable mention. So, Sam, hit us with your number five. All right, my number five is my, number one in my heart, uh, Elijah Mitchell. I was talking about him last week, uh, just keep an eye on him. And thank God he did not disappoint, um, had an outstanding game. He's currently running back 33 right now. Um, if you can convince someone to part with him while he's still kind of in that middle, middle of the pack uh, kind of area, do it. The guy's showing no signs of slowing down. There is no one contesting him for carries on that team right now. Trey Sermon is in a different stadium. He's Uh, he's not there. (laughs) Elijah Mitchell in the last two games has seen 18 carries apiece. He's gotten over 100 yards on the ground. He's gotten into the end zone. He's gone from uh, 16.7 in a uh, non-full PPR format to, to 20. If he's if it's a PPR format, I told you expect him more in the passing game. He's been showing up. He's been getting that snap share, uh, and in the playoffs specifically, they get at home against Atlanta, uh, at Tennessee, and then at home against Houston. Uh, Houston just traded to the Niners their best D lineman, uh, best uh, recent D lineman. Uh, Tennessee may be a tough game, but they do tend to to shed a bit on the ground. Atlanta is going to be out of it (laughs) yeah they're they they are full of holes atlanta's defense and san fran with that trade looks like they're going to try to compete in their division still they want to try to see if they can secure maybe a wild card spot uh elijah mitchell is a guy who might quietly take you through the playoffs in late into the the playoffs there but he will be a part of your playoff run. People are going to be going, and he got 20 points out of this guy. Who is this guy? I've never heard of Elijah Mitchell, and you'll be laughing. I love it. I think it's a great pick. Uh, Elijah Mitchell came out of nowhere, but he's he's everything that I hoped Trey Sermon was going to be. Um, and he he's great. And typically for the Mitchell situation, uh, someone probably picked him up off of waivers because they had a bad running back situation, and their team might not be in a great great situation wins wins and loss wise so there's a good chance you can probably pry him away for you know two value backs or maybe like a good receiver or something receivers are pretty plentiful so i I like the elijah mitchell pick a lot heck they might have picked him up to fill a vacancy for an injury uh and now that their guys are getting healthy they might not need him anymore he might be odd man out uh speaking of guys coming off injury i see your last guy here my last guy is the the the, not the most controversial one i don't think but uh elijah mitchell was probably picked up to fill the void of this man when he got hurt uh saquon barkley so what can we say about saquon that's not injury riddled because i he's got some of the worst luck with injuries for sure uh he's running back 37 in ppr even after missing so much time uh, in the playoffs, he's got Dallas at Philly and at Chicago, which again, doesn't sound like a great schedule, but he's 
usually the only back and he's also w- well involved in the passing game. So PPR is huge. He's got a really great floor. Um, but man, they're targeting a week nine return and then they have a buy in week 10. And at that point, like I can't see the giants shutting anybody down all the way. I mean, like Sam said earlier, the Cowboys are going to run away with the NFC East. That's expected. Uh, but like the giants, they're going to keep fighting through stuff. And Saquon Barkley is a great buy low right now, just because of all the injury history. There's no reason why you probably couldn't get him from one of the guys who drafted him just because he's definitely not returning the investment of his draft capital. And if they can get somebody who has a good history with health or that has a couple of good weeks, like, I mean, there's a chance he could have traded miles Gaskin for him during his down when miles Gaskin had those two big explosive weeks, especially in a redraft, you know, dynasty, he's hard to touch because he is a young stud running back, but redraft wise is what we're mostly talking about. Saquon Barkley is definitely a great person to target. If you can help it, if you're, if you're winning, if you're like a seven plus win team and you can maybe afford a loss like here or there, you know, give a good player, grab him, stash him. He's going to be worth the grab. What do you think, Sam? Do you have any, uh, worries that even after he comes back that Devontae Booker will have done well enough in his stead to still earn his fair share of carries. I'm sure Devontae Booker will have some carries here and there, but if you look at the just nightmare, that is the Washington, the Washington, the uh, giants receiving room. Like what, who else is there? Like I was watching the game yesterday and like Tony got hurt again with like a wrist injury and Shepard left again. And, Pettis got hurt and Galladay's made out of paper mache and like who what what do you do out there like Evan Engram's got butter hands like it's a really safe maybe they become much like the Cleveland Browns and have like a nice two-headed running attack because I'd love to see Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker be just monsters in in terms of fantasy but I can't think of any pass catchers that they have that like I'd want on my team for the Giants like I I love Tony the the potential is there but no one can stay healthy. I can't think and, of a, a Giants pass catcher that like has played a like a full game right now. It's a really good point that you're that you're kind of making here. Where even if when he comes back, if Saquon Barkley isn't given a full workload, uh, he's still very active in the passing game. They're running backs are are very active in the passing game. Even Devontae Booker has been seeing multiple multiple catches in the last few weeks that he's been the the RB1 in New York. I think honestly the the biggest thing about uh the New York Football Giants is they've been playing decent defense. The score doesn't always reflect it, but they've been staying in games. They've a lot of times just been kind of losing the the turnover battle. Uh they've been playing better in the last couple of weeks and they have matchups towards the middle to late part of the season here into the fantasy playoffs that allow them an opportunity to play strong defense and control the clock with the running game. So Saquon might not see more than 15 carries even after he comes back just due to maintenance purposes, but the amount of opportunities he may see in the passing game, the fact that he is that guy, he's, he's a stud player who, if he can be fully healthy on the field, heck, even if he's 80% on the field, he can still turn it on. Like not a lot of players can. Yeah. Uh, I think if you can, like Andy said, if you can buy him low, if you can get him for, for fair enough value, you don't want to trade it with a house for him here because he's not going to give you there. There's too much of a chance of a bust late in the season for, from injuries side of things. 
but if you can buy him low, he could come back with a vengeance and, and carry your team in a playoff scenario. Yeah. And things that I love to see in any player is the three games that he was totally healthy. Uh, he's over 85% snap share. So he's on the field. And when you're on the field, you have a chance to get the ball in your hands. So uh, I love the fact that he's out there for almost everything. And I think he could, again, great buy low. Um, now we, we do have each one honorable mention that might be a little harder to pry off of people. Uh, but we think with the great playoff schedule and if these guys are on bad football teams for fantasy wise, you can probably get them. So Sam, who's your honorable mention? Well, with any of the guys that we just mentioned here, these are players who with the right price, with the right trade value or with the right team situation, maybe they're on the cusp of being knocked out of the playoff contention on the bubble of making a push injuries might be messing with them. Those guys are good guys to target. The, this guy here, uh, I have Mike Evans listed. Uh, he's currently wide receiver six, not a guy who a lot of players are going to probably be willing to part with given what he has done, but in his history he has gone and disappeared on a lot of fantasy owners uh the whole mouths to feed cliche is used a lot in uh tampa bay well that's with one big mouth missing and that is gronk uh he's been off the field a lot this year already he's injured again um i don't think any mike evans owner is going to be willing to part with him given the fact that he's going to be seeing those targets he's gotten in the end zone quite a bit uh he does have some decent matchups at the end of the year uh at home against buffalo at home against new orleans and at carolina uh it's going to be a close one in the nfc south he's worth a look uh he's just probably going to be way too difficult to pry for the uh, the cost that he's going to be for a trade but if he's on a bad team you have a better chance of it of course uh the same rule applies for uh, my honorable mention, who is your guy this year. I think you have him in almost everywhere you're at. Uh, Michael one. Pittman, uh, wide receiver 10 currently in PPR. Uh, he is just emerging as the best option on that team. And not to say he wasn't beforehand. I was a huge Paris Campbell supporter until the foot injury. Uh, but with a playoff schedule like New England at Arizona and Las Vegas, the Colts are likely fighting for a wild card or by some miracle, maybe the division lead. Uh, Michael Pittman is the big, tall receiving option, and Carson Wentz just likes to chuck it down there. Uh, past three weeks, over 90% snap share. Uh, he's just going to be there. I mean, 15 targets. Uh, then he had a couple games you know, in the rain, four and three targets, but he still made do with low targets. And he he's a big play guy. And actually, Michael Pittman reminds me a lot of, of Mike Evans in the sense of just he's going to win those 50-50 shots, but he's also like a really good route runner. So these two guys, I think, are great options that while they might be more difficult to pry away, if they're on a bad team, you could probably entice them with a good offer. What do you think about Michael Pittman? Give me some praise about your boy, Sam. Well, I was a big fan of Michael Pittman going into this season, uh, especially given T.Y. Hilton is older. His big uh, advantage was his speed, and due to many injuries, he's not quite got that uh, third gear anymore. I felt like even if he was on the field, he wouldn't be as involved, especially with Carson Wentz under center. I like Michael Pittman as an uh, opportunity to explode in a number two spot. He was vaulted into a number one spot and forced to kind of take over. He's young. He's 24. Uh, he's got this this physical size the uh maybe not the, the fastest guy in the field per se um he's a little bit like you said mike evans i like that comparison uh kind of old school one-on-one -on -one jump ball type receiver but he's been finding himself 
uh, in the soft part of zones. He's been finding himself open. And hey, if there's one guy whose brain I can read is Carson Wentz. The guy, he falls in love with one of his receivers and he finds a way to get him the ball. Uh, and I bet on Michael Pittman this year. And I'm happy to say he is rising to meet that expectation. Uh, the, the Colts needed him to step up and he is in a big way. Heck yeah. And, and I feel like this is a very information packed episode. So thank you for joining us today. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's where you're going to find all the notifications to, to find when new episodes like this go live. Uh, I want to thank Sam again for being here and I look forward to having him on the show again in the future. Uh, again, we're doing typically one show a week, but uh, again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms. And I've been tech bro, Andy. I'm Sam. And we'll catch you guys next week. See you soon.